In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. I've had a tune stuck in my head the past few days, even the past week. It was there when I was stacking some firewood a couple days ago, again as I was getting ready for bed. It has popped up here and there. It is not one of the many songs from the mid-70s that just seem to fill so much of my gray matter. Uh, it's shorter, it's catchy, and almost like a jingle. Perhaps you know it, especially if you've been in preschool. We love because God first loved us. We love because God first loved us. We love, we love, we love because God first loved us. Well, um, you're welcome. You can have that in your head for the next week, too. We love because God first loved us. It struck me how this fits so easily with the gospel text from Matthew. In it, we see the abundant love and mercy of God and the forgiveness of the king, the master, as he, as he is canceling the debt of his servant. It was an enormous debt, far beyond the servant's ability to pay back probably equal to tens of millions of dollars. His debt is not forgiven because of his promise to repay, but rather on account of his begging for mercy that he, his wife, and his children, with all that he had, might not be sold, even possibly to multiple buyers. But afterward, he is the, after he is the recipient of the king's unimaginable act of mercy, that same servant goes out and has another fellow servant put in prison for not repaying him a debt of possibly only 100 days' wages. He failed to see the enormity of his own debt, debt that had not simply been deferred for payment at a later date, but completely erased. He failed to know, to embrace, and to actualize what a gift he had been given in having his unpayable debt erased, and thereby failed to forgive the debt of a fellow servant. No wonder the other servants were disturbed and told the master what had happened, and rightfully this led to his imprisonment until he could repay the enormous, impossible to repay debt. He would die indebted to the king with no mercy to be shown to him. The disciples are warned at the end of this text so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a gospel reading, right? It was Peter who had asked the question, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How many is seven times? Do you ever wonder if the other disciples wish Peter would just keep his mouth shut? Great, thanks Peter. How on earth will we be able to do this? How can we forgive over and over and over and over and, well, you get the point. Praise God that forgiveness is not an earthly thing to do. It is not a human thing to do. All forgiveness is Christ's forgiveness. There is no other. All forgiveness flows from Christ. It flows from the sacrifice of his body and his blood as the atonement for all sin. Forgiveness is a heavenly thing. And as Christians, we get to do it, to participate in the spreading of this heavenly gift. And we love forgiving our neighbor, especially when they come repenting of some misdeed. 
Um, you know that big dent in the side of your car? Well, I was backing out of the driveway and I didn't see it. And wait, wait, that, that was like a month ago. It's in the shop getting fixed. Yeah, I know, but here's my insurance agent's info. He'll take care of it. Thanks. You know I forgive you for not telling me at first. I mean, that is easy. Forgive them after they confess, after they repent, especially after they offer to make restitution. Easy peasy, pudding pie. But for a month, you had the suspicion that it was that neighbor. You had no proof, of course. No paint deposit from the offending vehicle. His truck bumper wasn't damaged at all. No note left by a passing neighbor that saw the offense offering to approach him with you. And your $200 ring doorbell did not capture an image wide enough for visual confirmation. You knew. You just did not have the goods to prosecute. Did you forgive him then? Or did you want to wring his neck outside of the view of your $200 doorbell? Well, pastor, what good would that have done to forgive him? forgive him if he wouldn't be aware of that I had even done it. Why would I do that? A great step in learning to extend forgiveness to another is in what we as Lutherans call self-examination. A look at our own lives in light of the rules, norms, and demands of our King, our Master, and our Lord. Think of the Ten Commandments. A good place to start would be Christian questions with their answers in Luther's small catechism. They are for those, that would be us, as we prepare to receive the sacrament. Or think of the pause we take at the start of the service in our corporate confession to examine our sins. It is a brief moment to examine and confess our sins, even the one that might creep into our mind in the silence of that brief moment where your mind slips from confessing to thinking about brunch or the roast you're going to put in the oven later today. Even then our mind wanders. We do not necessarily feel the angst and terror of standing before God as the servant in the parable did before his king. His mind was not wandering as his family was about to be sold and to pay his debt. Even so, our Heavenly Father worked out our forgiveness for the brunch thought during confession and all other sin in our lives before we were even born, before we ever committed them, before we had faith in the forgiveness of sins wrought by Christ on the cross. It's called objective justification. Objective justification is the biblical doctrine that God, for Christ's sake, has already forgiven the entire world of sinners whether or not any individual sinner believes it or not. It is the forgiveness of all sin through the atonement of Christ on the cross, his suffering and death. At that moment in time, all sin was atoned for, forgiven. It was the it in it is finished. Subjective justification is the biblical doctrine that only those who trust in this gospel actually receive the forgiveness of sins. Subjective justification is the justification we have before God as his children, baptized into Christ and given faith that believes, in fact, that we are forgiven. 
Subjective justification believes in the words, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. It believes in the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This is the font of all forgiveness. It flows from Christ just as all love comes from God the Father. He is the very definition of love, perfect love and perfect forgiveness. When you forgive your neighbor for the dent in the car and he doesn't even know it, it is an expression of that objective justification. Forgiveness from God. Your neighbor has it and he doesn't even know it. And you have the peace and joy that comes from remembering your own forgiveness and giving it versus remaining bitter and angry. And possibly at some point you may have the opportunity of explaining that forgiveness to him or someone else. Not doing so places in the precarious position of the servant that wrapped his hands around his neighbor's neck, demanding payment or else. In our action of denying forgiveness to our neighbor, we deny God's mercy and forgiveness shown to us. We fail to examine our own misdeeds, our soiled life, and the filth within ourselves. We concentrate on what we are owed versus what we have been given out of our heavenly father's love for us. Note what happened to the servant in the parable. The debt that was forgiven was laid back on him. Why? He rejected the forgiveness offered to him. Therefore, is only one way to receive forgiveness, and that is by faith. When we receive God's forgiveness in faith, we acknowledge that we don't deserve it. Faith doesn't lay claim to deserving. It lays claim only to mercy. When the servant refused to forgive his fellow servant, what was he saying? He was saying that forgiveness had to be earned. He was thereby denying the king's right to forgive him. He was rejecting the free forgiveness of sins. He was consigning himself to the impossible duty of paying back a debt that he could not be paid by him. Forgiveness comes before reconciliation. It's what brings reconciliation about. A negotiated forgiveness goes nowhere because it isn't sincere. A conditional forgiveness isn't heartfelt. If forgiveness is to be true and sincere, it must be given without any strings attached. That's how the king forgave the servant. He attached no strings. He didn't require him to do anything. He didn't require any payment at all. He didn't reduce the debt. He forgave it. Does this mean forgiveness is easy? No, it's difficult because the sinner in us still wants its pound of flesh. It's 100 denarii, it's fender fixed at no charge or for it never to have been damaged in the first place. We are often deeply hurt. For this reason, there are circumstances that are enormously difficult to forgive. This is because sin is crouching at our door tempting us and keeping us from forgiving as we have been forgiven, objectively, without an agreement or recognition by us for receiving forgiveness. A cheating spouse might be one example. Embezzlement of large sums of wealth, another. Having your name and reputation slanderously ruined. Imagine the murder of a loved one. In these very difficult circumstances where sin has taken a huge toll, it is even more important to self-examine and see that we too, as Christians, 
are also terrible sinners. We need to remember that our King, our Father in heaven, has removed the debt, the burden of all of our sin with the body and blood of His Son. We should confess our own sin and ask for forgiveness for not forgiving and implore God for the strength to do His will, forgive them, and live out a life toward them that shows that forgiveness. Our King and Master has sent the memory of our sinful life and the debt we should owe Him as far away as the East is from the West to be remembered no more by Him. Because of this, our judgment on the last day will not be an account of our sin resulting in being sent to the jailers in hell. Thanks be to God that in the place of that, there will be an account of our good works that have been done in faith. Faith that trusts in Christ Jesus and His atoning death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, the canceling of our debt. From the heart, with faith in Christ, objectively forgive those that sin against you in the same way God in His infinite wisdom and love for you planned for your salvation. Let God and His Holy Spirit work out the subjective part by working faith in them, the trust in Christ and the forgiveness He gives, the part where their conscience would be troubled so they realize their sin, and in faith that seeks forgiveness, confess it before God so they too may hear in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. Forgiveness is an act of love that flows from being loved and shown mercy. And we love and forgive because he first loved and forgave us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.